Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 71, presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined by Colin Fitzgerald, Stephen Glick, and a wounded but battling executive producer, David Herman, as we bring you the latest news from the start of the ACHA and the CHF season. Uh, I see you already smiling behind the camera, but I think that's the lead story tonight. I mean, you're playing injured. It's been a rough week. You hopped on the call last night for an interview with Tim. You're back again tonight. You're just battling through it. Three zips, boys. For the first time, I got stitches, uh, and we're going to leave it as an off-ice upper body injury in terms of what's going on right now. It's been it's been a tough week, so there was that, and today, while working, I got stung by a wasp. I was taking photos at Babe's, one of the restaurants in our corporate umbrella, and I feel something crawling on my neck, reach back to slap it away, and feel a pinch, and I was like... Hey, Michael, uh, is my neck red right now? And he was like, yes. And I was like, I definitely got stung. And he was like, God damn it, Herm. Can you catch a break? Hopefully, fingers crossed, pun intended at this point, things work out with the insurance that I can go and get surgery on the hand on Monday. It has been a nightmare dealing with the American healthcare system, which is so flawed and broken that it's just not even funny. I hope things will be okay. I hope I don't have to be talking about a GoFundMe next week. We'll see on that. As someone who's going to college for insurance, I do have to say you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. Well, now you're going to have to help him here. You, you, you're you the hack now, Glick. Yeah, if, if you have any uh, questions or concerns, Herm, you know who to reach out to. Glick, how are things in Philly this week? It's been pretty good. Speaking of school, that's just kind of been getting harder and harder every week. But on the bright side, some of the boys at Waldorf hurt last week's episode and are in the process of getting me a Waldorf hockey shirt. So that is something I'm very looking forward to, to having in my possession. I think the craziest thing is when we were talking about that, like I was like, I wonder who, like statistically how many listeners we have, but it's funny just hearing like who actually is listening to us, like what wide variety of college hockey players that we have that tune in every week and and we love our followers and our listeners even more. So I'm excited for you and and I'm pumped to see what that looks like. Fitzy, how are we doing? Doing great. Had a late men's league game last night. My other brother, University of Michigan grad, played ACHA there. So it's actually the semifinals. This is a a, a different men's league team than the other one that we won the chipper with so we won the semis last night and we'll be uh playing the chipper tomorrow night so exciting stuff just ring chasing at this point you're addicted to winning <laughs> that that's what it's all about you know beating up on these 50 year old guys out there and they're trying to grab me and getting pissed at me but no it's it's a good time i don't i don't go crazy or anything nothing new in in cues this week first week of practice we have our team picked which is awesome competition level of practice has been great uh we got new shells this year which is nice a little darker navy to match the uniforms. so everyone's breaking in the shells the new guys breaking in the gloves the helmets so it's funny you get so used to the new guys at captain skates and tryouts with like their gear and then the minute we gave them all the team gear it's like i can't even tell them apart now so i'm still getting used to that turn 22 tomorrow which I don't know. I'm oddly excited about turning 22. Uh, I don't really like birthdays that much, but it's something to celebrate tomorrow. So I'm pumped up for that. We got some plans with the guys to go out. It stinks. I have class on Thursday nights, so not exactly what I want to be doing on my birthday. Skip it. Well, no, I miss practice on Thursdays too because of the schedule. So uh, I got to save my skip because we play Oswego on a Thursday night later on in the year. So I got to save it in my back pocket for then. But uh, looking forward to that. I'm hoping I get to see Herm on Saturday 
day, if he's able to go for media day, he's nodding his head yes. So we've brought in the big guns. Losing Gav last year uh, is tough and, and it's hard to replace him, but we got Herm coming in. And so we're really looking forward to that. And it, it should be a fun weekend. We're even going to do a uh, team outing to the Syracuse Mets, which should be a good time uh, on Sunday. So business as usual in Syracuse, but some fun events planned. So we're looking forward to that. Glick, I, you looked like you were about to say something. Oh, I was just going to say you should just pregame class and just drink through it. For my grandparents and parents listening to this, I will not be doing that. Not the only birthday this week. Whether I did it intentionally or not, uh, that's up for discussion. But the Hockey House turned two years old today. We launched it on September 7th of 2022. I remember exactly sitting in my dorm, launching the post on Instagram, sending out to all my buddies like, hey, follow this. Like, I know you guys are all playing club hockey out there somewhere. Give it a follow. And pretty wild what we've turned into. We kind of went through all that, though, when we, we launched season three. But for those Keeping track at home, the Hockey House birthday is September 7th. Uh, the first episode did not come out until September 17th, though. So that's another milestone around the corner. But we got action. We had some action over the weekend. I believe Georgia Tech won the first game of the season last week. Let's see. They won 8 nothing, and they played University of Alabama-Huntsville. So that was last Friday night. So I believe that was the first game of the season. If it wasn't, somebody can correct me if somebody played before then, but Georgia Tech of the CHF getting the first win of the season. We've got plenty of hockey this weekend. Yeah. Was that the first ACHA Burgers blowout of the year or is there a bigger blowout this weekend? I don't know. I, I don't know if the Burgers have to wait, but that might've been the blowout. Of the, uh, definitely. I, I didn't see other games, but that's got to be the blowout of the week. Eight, nothing on opening night. So we'll give them the burger for the week. But we do have games this weekend, which is is great to see. Cincinnati opens up Friday night against UNC. I think we talked about them a couple episodes. They should have a good year. Nine o'clock puck drop on Friday night. Uh, then we got USF opening up against Tennessee. The Tampa Bay Lightning anthem singer Sonia Bryson Kirksey will be in attendance to belt out the anthem for the boys. Uh, we also got Butler is playing this weekend. They're hosting Bradley. Looks like they got a free admission for all students and, and I think even some transportation to the fuel tank is what they're calling the rink. And then in D3 action, Kansas is hosting Nebraska for a whiteout on Friday night. That should be a really good weekend series. Midnight Madness is back at Kentucky. They will host Dayton on Saturday night slash Sunday morning. Like I said, puck drops at midnight. Uh, that's all the games we were looking at this weekend. I'm sure there's a couple other ones that we just maybe didn't see on social media, but wanted to give a shout out to the guys at Oregon. Oregon is playing at the Division One ACHA level this year, but they are looking for an opponent on the weekend of October 23rd. Found out about this today. They are willing to pay up to $6,000 to help with travel costs. Any ACHA, Division One, maybe even Division Two teams looking for a game on that weekend of October 23rd, please be sure to reach out to Oregon. Also wanted to give a shout out to Georgia captain Cam Campbell. Uh, Soupy, as they call him, he was named captain of the Bulldogs. We actually had Cam on the show a while ago. Uh, but due to technical difficulties, it never aired. So we'll have to get the boys back on sooner uh, rather than later and get the, all the coverage about Georgia. They got that new rink coming, and I'm sure it's going to be another exciting season down in Athens. We got some more guys calling their shot this week. It's been a fun series to do to see you know, who's got the confidence uh, as we found out, some teams lacking confidence. Dylan Nominson of Illinois State said, Illinois State has been slept on, brought in lots of guys from juniors. Top of all three divisions, their rink has got to be one of the top 10 ranks in college hockey. They even have the light show for all three levels. They have the entire video board at their disposal this year. Shout out to the game day staff. On the opposite end of the spectrum, from an anonymous tip, Mercyhurst, ACHA might be the worst team in the league. Their roster is not going to be filled out until the week before the first game of the season. 
And they went 2-22-2 last year. So basically a poverty franchise. That is a dead-on quote that we received in the DM today. Uh, so hopefully the guys at Mercyhurst can turn around. Maybe this this quote can add some fuel to the fire for them. Damon Kovaly, uh from Duquesne M3. Duquesne D3 is going to win some games this year. Heck yeah, love to hear it. Love teams winning games this year. Eamon Smith, good friend of ours from Auburn. College Hockey South is going to be the most entertaining conference this season. I mean, in the CHF, I think it's really fun to watch the teams in the South just because it's so many big name schools. The jerseys are great. Everybody loves the SEC. Uh, and then Tommy from Farmingdale. He says Farmingdale is going to repeat to win the Empire Conference in the CHF. I think that's a pretty safe bet. They looked really good last year, and I'm sure they'll go on a deep run in the CHF tournament this year. Carter from UCO. He says UCO is buzzing. The Chos, I mean, they went on a run all the way to the National Championship game. The only team they couldn't beat was Lindenwood, and now Lindenwood's gone. I would expect them you know, to have a lot of... Uh, uh, energy and persistence to get back to that point. So watch out for those guys. And uh, Sammy from Indiana says, watch out for IU. 14 incoming, very good freshmen. Got to get Fitzy fired up to hear that the pipeline is full at IU. And lastly, we had Tim from UNCW, dub hockey for the ship. Going to be a big year for those guys. Love to see everybody fired up for the season. I think it's I think it's going to be great. Like I said, we're really excited about this one, especially since the following that we've gained uh, over the last year, going into year three here. I think this is going to be a special one. Herm, if you're behind camera there, I wanted to let you chime in here, but we've been getting a lot of uh, you know people in the DMs looking for coverage this year. We're going to try to make that as easy as possible to get teams featured on the social media channels, on the podcast. Like we mentioned before, our DMs are are always open so if you're looking to get featured you want some, us to reshare something we're always open and uh you know if we can't reshare it we can definitely point you in the direction of somebody who can so be on the lookout we're always answering our dms what i built is a brand new form that you'd probably see from major media outlets and i don't think anyone even in the college hockey space has something like this ready at your disposal. Uh, if you go to our link tree, which is the first link in our bio across Instagram, across Twitter, across TikTok, you'll see a link to a survey. You can upload your content directly to us in the highest original quality possible. Instead of having to have us chase you down across DMs, you can describe the teams that are in the content. You can give us a little bit of information and that way it's so, so much easier to make sure that you you guys can provide us with the best quality content, even when we're not even asking for it. You see a big hit, you see a big play, you capture an incredible photo, you can just upload it to us. Murph and I will get email notifications instantly and follow up with you on that. Yeah, and it definitely increases your chances of getting featured too. If you if you go through the effort that makes it easier on our end to get, you know, your content posted faster that's pretty much i mean that kind of wraps it up we do we will do the question of the week but we want to get you to our interview with tim kalinowski really good friend of mine here at syracuse graduated last year and we were psyched to have him on i know herm and i were talking about getting him on for a while now and we finally pulled the trigger on that this week but this week's question favorite birthday tradition in honor of the hockey house turning two. want to get you guys thoughts on birthday traditions whether it's your family your friends your team glick i'll turn it over to you first what's a birthday tradition that sticks out to you could you actually pass it on to someone else first because i'm still thinking because i don't have any birthday traditions but i'll try and think of something <laughs> All right, I'll go first. I usually pass it off to give me myself some time, but my birthday tradition is my grandfather, for as long as I can remember, uh, he sends a card in the mail. It's a birthday card. 
And, uh, you know, he writes a, a very thoughtful note and then he always gives you the dollar amount that you're turning. So for my birthday this week, I will open up the, I actually, I have the card right here, but I'll open it up and I can almost bet my life that there's going to be $22 in there for me. He'll call me, but the whole point of him calling is for me to actually not answer the phone so he can leave a voicemail. And then he sings happy birthday on the voicemail, which is always great. Getting out of class and I get that voicemail. It's always great to hear coming off the ice. It's always special. So that's that's my birthday tradition. Fitzy, I, I know you you seemed like you were ready to go. Man, I wish I had. I, I don't have anyone giving me money like that. That's Give me something over here. I'm fighting for my life in the Fed. You get your per diem. Yeah, I'll be lucky to be able to buy a, a hot dog. I, I got like two, kind of two. A, a hockey one is, I don't know what it was, but when we were younger, the season would start a little sooner. So we'd always play on my birthday. I'm September 18th. So we'd always have a game. Every time I'd, I'd score a goal. Every time on my birthday, I'd score a goal. And I never used to score a lot of goals. So it was like, oh, it's my birthday. Like, I'm going to score every time, score a goal. And then my other actual like traditional type thing uh, is kind of stupid, but. We uh we have this like dancing hamster that sings this weird, funny, like happy birthday song. And it always gets put at like your spot at the dinner table, whoever will turn it on when you show up. But it was funny when I was in college because I'd like Skype in or FaceTime and my parents would play it. And then my roommates were like, what the hell's going on? I'm just like, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's funny that you said about scoring on your birthday. I think I've only, I mean, September 8th is, is a really early birthday. So I had a practice one time when I was at Bridgeton and we practiced on a Saturday morning and I was actually going to go visit some friends from home after we practiced. And uh, we did a shootout to end practice. And I scored the game winner in the shootout and the boys pig piled on me. That was like the closest I came to scoring on my birthday. Uh, but that's pretty cool scoring, you know, in a game on your birthday. Glick, has anything come to mind at this point? This segment has been redacted, so Glick doesn't get in trouble. And thank you, Glick, for your birthday story. All right. Can we, can we just cut that and I'll make up a tradition yeah. in like three minutes? I'm including you saying, can you cut that? I just want you to know. <laughs> okay. Herm, uh, birthday traditions either in, in your family or, you know, ones that you had in Ohio that come to mind? Um, I'll chime in as the second September 18th birthday in the call. It was one that I really enjoyed growing up. It wasn't like anything crazy. Shell would always release in the beginning of September. The hype around Shell dropping was always really, really fun, especially as someone who played online. Playing as much cello as I could on my birthday was great. And then they changed the release schedule to October. And I was like, there goes my one little birthday present, basically. Like, so I would get cello as the birthday gift. And it was it was great. Click, when's your birthday? We got three September birthdays on the pod. Oh, I'm April 26th, so right in the middle of finals. So that's why there's not much uh, celebrating going on for my birthday. Yeah, that's a tough tough one to draw so i mean i guess my birthday tradition is i celebrate after finals are over so let's just say that's my answer versus my first answer yeah you basically just push it back a week so you can you know celebrate once the job is done yep exactly that wraps it up for us this week uh we won't do a post game show we'll save that for next week once we have our you know we'll get into our game of the week's game to watch next week and that'll kind of really kick off the season you know even though there's a couple of games this week and i'm sure those boys will have a blast but Reminder to check out OptumX. They provide teams the opportunity to build and manage their own websites. The best part is your first year is free. Be sure to check them out and use our referral link. It's in our bio. If you're interested in signing up, be sure to use it. OptumX 
sports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod. They released a new feature. We're super excited about it. It's been in the works for a long time and you can now add a team store to your team site and sell tickets, merchandise, and even make payments. Tons of teams hopping on OptumX this week. We had DePaul, Northern Illinois, High Point men's and women's, and then Cal Lutheran, who I had never seen before. Cal Lutheran, ACHA men's D2 team. Pretty pumped. We gave them the follow back on Instagram when I saw that OptumX had signed them on. So we're really fired up about that. But we are extremely fired up to welcome on a good friend of the show, Tim Kalinowski. It gives me great pleasure to welcome on a good friend of mine, Syracuse hockey legend, the pride of Marblehead, Massachusetts, friend of the podcast, Tim Kalinowski. Tim, how you doing? Great to be here, Murph. Um, I guess I had to graduate and, uh, in order to get the invite on. I guess maybe I can tell all the good stories now. Yeah, you were like the late call up this week. Like I figured I had you in my back pocket for so long and it was like, we're going to use our Tim Kalinowski card and get it out of the way. Fittingly enough, the day after you finish up your 90 takes, I'm sure a lot of guys listening to this have seen your face on TikTok the last couple months. Yeah, 90 takes a summer uh, came to an end. It's very, very sad day. I will say after all the people that just like eviscerate me in the comments today, I did like a, you know, 90 takes, send off, like whatever. And people were very kind, very generous. You know, it's like one of those things like, I'll post a video and then I'm like, oh my God, like everyone hates me. Why do I even do this? Like, I don't need to be on TikTok. I do this for fun. And then you have the moments like today where people are nice and you're like, oh, of course I do this. This is great. Like, this is that like good feedback. I never wanted to be on TikTok. I kind of just was, I had to be on TikTok for work. And I was like, how can I stay on the app? And I needed a way to stay on the app. And it was like, only by making videos will I be invested. And so, yeah, I kind of kind of wrote myself a check. I couldn't really cash there with 90 takes. Well, I guess I did cash it because I, I did fulfill it. But it, it was certainly a lot of time and effort. For guys listening to this that have no idea who you are on TikTok, what is your TikTok username? Tcali12, K-A-L-I. All right. Make sure you check out Tim's takes, 90 takes a summer. Yes. I think the... The most popular one was the seafood take, right? Yeah, which was funny because it was at the point where I had used a lot of good takes to start because I wanted people to follow immediately. And my girlfriend was like, why are you doing all your good ones to start? I'm like, because I want followers. Like after that, I can fall off. Like who cares? And I remember we were sitting eating dinner as a family outside. She was actually there. Oh, I haven't done a take in like three days or whatever. I'm like, I need something. I need something. And my dad's like a very good cook. So he's cooking a bunch of seafood. And I was like, you know what? Let me just do like, if you don't like seafood, you need to grow up. That was the take. Literally was like 20 seconds, put the phone down, ate dinner, picked up my phone, had a million views. And I was like, this app is outrageous. Cause I thought that was like, I thought to me, that was a take that I mailed in like half drunk. Like, let me just make a take, enjoy dinner with my family. And somehow that did amazing. And that, that got like half of my followers. Yeah. I, I remember seeing that one after work and just being like, oh my gosh. Like we <laughs> always joked for years that like once Tim figured out how to use social media, that he would blow up because of his outrageous takes. And it was just, it finally, the world's collided is, is how I would put it. Right. And I mean, typical me too. I'm so stupid. Like that was like the supposed to be like a layup one. That wasn't even like hot in my mind. Yeah. Like, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> Tim, let's dive into the hockey career here. You spent the last four years at Syracuse, but before that grew up playing hockey in Marblehead Mass. Kind of walk us through when you started playing hockey, how you got involved, walk us through all the way up to high school. Yeah. So I think the thing that's kind of unique about my career is, you know, I have a lot of 
friends that are great hockey players. Like my, my core group of friends, we're all great hockey players, but you know, so I'm from Marblehead and I moved here when I was like three years old or so. My family, I was, I'm the oldest in my family. They didn't know any better. Like I just played town hockey the whole way growing up. I never played any sort of club, any sort of select, you know, triple A, whatever. Frankly, my, my, like my family didn't know any better. Like it's obviously really expensive. We we're of the belief, like how good really are you to go play for one of those programs? Like we, we, it's ironic because we had like a lot of respect for those programs where now you can just go play for those programs if you just roll out of bed. And so I played town hockey all growing up. And I will say I had a really good group of friends. I have the same like, you know, 12 friends since kindergarten and we all played hockey growing up. So even when I had opportunities to play club, select, whatever, later on in my career, I didn't want to because I'd already played with my buddies for so long. And so I, I went to Marble at high school, Massachusetts high school hockey division two because i just really never wanted to leave my buddies and and we were we were really good all four years i was there we were really really good so my thing was like hey you have to show that you can play good at public school before you move on to the next level so i I pg'd at phillips exeter after that then i played a year at juniors for the valley warriors and then i ended up at syracuse the kind of the unique thing about my story is like i meet so many guys that played all these programs and i'm like i never would have played against you i was like I was playing against Saugus Town League. Like, you know, like that's, it's very weird to say. We could do a whole podcast on just your time at Exeter and Valley. But one of the stories I want to make sure you hit on your story about how you got into Syracuse. I think you would agree yeah. looking at our roster, don't have the brightest bunch, but you, a guy who went to Phillips Exeter, like scratched and clawed your way into Syracuse. Walk us through that timetable. When I went to Exeter, you know, I, I was a solid player there. I hurt my back halfway through the season, which is like, you know, what I didn't know, it just my family's, you know, being naive and myself and that like, you know, PG year re- really isn't enough to go like establish yourself in, in, in like prep school hockey. Because to me, it like it took 10 games to get used to prep school hockey. And then the next 10, it's like whatever. And then by then it's too late. Like you're not getting recruited by the spring. It's very hard to do that. I kind of was in the spot where I was like, do I play juniors? What am I going to do? And I, I, you know, I went to Exeter. It's the best high school in America, you know, like ever heard of it? Like Mark Zuckerberg, you know? So it's a good school. And so now I'm playing juniors and I was kind of caught in between. What am I going to do? So I just said like, screw it. I want to live at home. I want to play juniors. I was talking to, you know, some of the NESCAC schools because I thought it would be an asset that I am smart. I'd be able to go to these schools. It's hard to make it all work. They want to play, you, you play another year of juniors, this and that. So it got to the point where I was just like so fed up. I'm like, screw this. This, you know, I wanted to do radio, sports, whatever. And so Syracuse was kind of on my radar. Just I didn't know anything about club hockey. I I thought it was a joke, to be honest. Obviously, now that I've played, I I I know it's not, but I was like, what the hell is this? You know, let me just throw my hat in the ring. I had a friend who played at Syracuse. So I'm like, go on the visit, shake the hand of the coach, shake, shake the coach's hand. He's like, would you like to be at Syracuse? Yes. So like, I'm basically committed by winter of me playing juniors. And then Syracuse gets in their infamous fight, you know, that ended up everywhere, you know, Barstool. And, and I'm like showing, I run in to show my mom. I'm like, look how crazy this is. And she goes, uh, I don't think that's good for you. Like I just gone on my visit like two weeks earlier. She's like, that's not cool. That's not good for you. And I'm like, uh, what do you mean? So sure enough, like they have changes in the coaching staff, all this. 
And I'm left like a month later, go check my email and I'm waitlisted at Syracuse. I don't think I'm the smartest person in the world, but was a relatively safe school for me. And my family was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, how did this happen? So I call the assistant coach. He's like, look, you know, everyone gets a mark on their application. Not that we get hockey players in, but it just counts as an extracurricular. You know, you get a point. So once we had the fight, everyone who had that mark was like X. It was like waitlist or you're not in. And so I went from being what I thought was a safety, great spot, TV, radio, club hockey to, oh my God, I didn't even get into this freaking school. I got waitlisted. And so I kept trying to get in. By that point, when I get something in my brain, I'm like, I'm, I'm finishing, I'm going to see it through. So by that point, I'd convinced myself I wanted to go to Syracuse. I'm like, I, I need to see this through. So I like emailed them every day for like a, you know, months on end. Finally, I get off the waitlist on like June 25th. And I was working construction over that summer or whatever, like not even knowing what's going to happen. So I get off the waitlist and they say, you get January admission. Like you can't even come in the fall. And I'm like, you know what? Good things come to those who wait. Like I'll take it. So fall comes. I come home from a lunch break, August 20, like third, come over a lunch break and the home phone rings. We don't even plug our home phone in anymore. And it's like call from Syracuse. I, I go pick it up and the guy's like, Hey, is this Timothy? I'm like, yeah. He goes, someone didn't show up in one of the freshman dorms. Can you be here? This is Wednesday. They go, can you hear, be here by Monday morning to start class? So I said, Okay. Yeah, sure. Like I had already everything packed up since prep school. So like it was easy to move into a dorm and that's how it happened. But like went from like, oh, this is a layup to I have to literally like email the freaking like Dean's assistant every day to get in. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And that's, that's, you know, that's the club hockey thing as well. And like somehow they can't get you into the school, but they can certainly keep you out of it. <laughs> yeah, I remember you telling me about that, about how like in order to get guys in, they had a good relationship with admissions where it was like, right. oh, say you play hockey, that'll help you get in. They were still using that theory after the fight happened and it hurt against you. Right. A hundred percent. And like, again, they don't get people in, but it was like saying that you played in an orchestra. It was just like a point on your thing. And then- once that happened, they were like, hey, who are all the people with a point on their thing for hockey? And it's like, oh, these 10 kids? And like, so no one else came in my recruiting class but me. I was the only one that saw it through. Only one. Once you get on campus in the fall, uh, we ask every guy who comes on, like, what's your welcome to the ACHA moment? I'm sure you've been thinking about this one for probably three years since I started doing this. What is your welcome to the ACHA moment? Yeah, you know, it, it's hard because I, I've actually been thinking about this all day because I have like two versions of the welcome to the ACHA moment. Like all your guys is are like, you know, when we had to run our uniforms that were like, didn't show up and like they fell in the mud and like, they're like, they're all like stories like that to me, because I thought that I was going to something that I didn't know at the time, what, how good club hockey at, at some levels were. My welcome to the ACHA was I play in my first game. I have like two goals, like an assist playing second line or whatever power play. So I have a great first weekend. And then we go to Liberty the next weekend. And I'm like, holy smokes, this is insane. I, I had no idea that this was even a thing that, you know, banged out crowd. Like I don't play well. I mean, our whole team doesn't play well. You know, we, we actually stole one game in, a, in an overtime, but then the next week got blown out and I'm scratched the following weekend. And I'm like, I never came across my mind that I could be scratched here. 
So like, to me that that was like my like reversal of the ACHA moment was like, I can be scratched here. I, I never, it never crossed my mind. You could talk about Syracuse, how we don't have a locker room. Like that's, that's your moment. We don't get apparel on time. Like sure. But I had no idea that like that was going to happen. Funny you bring that up because I have on here as a bullet to ask you about playing against URI. Cause if I remember correctly, you had buddies on URI who you lit it up against URI, but there was like a stretch of like eight, 12 games where you didn't even play. Yep. Yeah. So what would happen is, you know, URI was a, you know, a solid team like my freshman year, but both times we played them are like home and homes of them. I would play against URI. Following week, we would play a team like Liberty or like Adrian, and I'm a freshman. So I would play poorly against them, shocker, be scratched then for like four weeks, have to dig myself out of the hole, and then URI would come around again and I would play well and that would like get me like my boost. Like it was maybe it's, you know, cause it's the closest team to my, to my home and in, in, in our conference, but like it was always URI was the saving grace. As a sophomore coming in behind you, there was a lot of jokes about the apparel. Walk us through. I know you had a backpack that you used to carry around with you everywhere because the apparel just never came your freshman year. Yeah. So, and and I think this is a lesson of all club hockey, right? Like you come in as a freshman, you think you know everything. Like, why aren't we getting this on time? Why aren't we getting that on time? And then by the time you're a junior, senior, you see how the sausage is made and you're like, nobody's getting anything on time. I fully understand why. Like, you know, these freshmen need to figure it out. So like when I got there, like, you know, my other half of the ACHA moment is like, I thought I was getting a full on sweatsuit, everything like, and Syracuse has improved since, you know, like big time. But when I got there, that was not the case at all. Like we, we got nothing. And all I wanted was my parka jacket. That's what I saw in like my recruiting visit. My family, my dad was like, I gotta get one. I'm like, dude, I don't even have one yet. When I got there, I, I never got my parka the entire freshman year. They were like, we're going to order them with this. And then, you know, with the block S stuff with just, you know, all the licensing and this. So I never got my parka, but what I did have is a, a buddy on the team gave me, they had got backpacks like the year before or two years ago. And I was number 13 and they had no, the 13 didn't, take their backpack or something like that the kid on this team, his girlfriend had the 13 backpack and he got it from her to give to me. And that was like the, the fact that I had a backpack was life changing because I had nothing. I had no apparel and I had the backpack and I wore the backpack like crazy. I think when the, when my buddy's girlfriend graduated, she was like, I want my backpack back souvenir, like whatever. And I was like, that is the most crushing thing I've ever heard. Like, no, I, I will not give you this back. So I texted my buddy. I'm like, hey, like your girlfriend's asking for a backpack back. He's like, one sec, I'll get to the bottom of this. And then after that, she texts me. She's like, you can Venmo me $40 for it. I'm like, I would Venmo you $400 for this. <laughs> like, This is my existence. Summer after your freshman year, you get hip surgery, right? Yep. Tore my uh, labrum. How did that happen? Well, my hip had been bothering me for like two years or so. And I thought it was just like hockey players have tight hips. Like, oh, of course I have a tight hip. Like everybody has a tight hip. But it got to the point when I was playing juniors, like I couldn't, my car is like high, like a high, high up. And I can't, couldn't even get out of my car because it was my left hip. And when I put my left foot on the ground first, it was like excruciating. And I was like, oh, like it's nothing. Like, you know, uh, it's just a tight hip. And then I was working out in the summer after freshman year and I couldn't even do a squat without like being in half tears. And I'm like, okay, I need to go to the doctor. I went to the doctor. He like literally grabbed my foot, twisted it one way, twisted the other. He's like, dude, this thing's cooked. You need surgery. And he's like, skating's the worst thing for you. You need surgery. So 
I had hip surgery and I kind of like put it off. And then, cause my family didn't like believe that I had a hip, like I, we, of the whole time we were of the belief that it was just like a tight hip. So it was like kind of like blindsiding that it was like, oh no, this thing's fried. Like you need surgery. The first time I ever met you, you had just moved into the house on Clarendon. You got special privilege as a sophomore to live off <laughs> campus. And I walked through the door and you were sitting on the couch with, I think, a cigar and scotch maybe. And I thought that you were 28 years old and had been living there since the house was built. And then come to <laughs> find out you're just a, the grade above me. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly an old soul. That was fresh off my surgery. I got my surgery like right before I went back to school. Like my parents didn't even want me to go back that early, but I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm, I'm just going to sit on the couch anyway. It's syllabus week, whatever. So yeah, like, yeah, I basically, you know, drank old fashioned and smoked cigars for the entire, like, you know, six months that I was on the shelf. The best part about Tim being hurt was he spent the entire fall semester. Anytime we had a party at this old house, he would sit at the top of the stairs in a lawn chair with his iPad watching sports. And he was like the gatekeeper, like making sure nobody went upstairs. You were having more fun than anybody else there. Oh, hundred percent. Well, unfortunately, one thing, it gave me an excuse to be able to just, watch. I put headphones in because I hate the college music. You know, I'm like, put my headphones in, watch the game. But it was the worst because people would come up to me. I'd get all the like, you know, drunk kids coming up to me, starting a conversation. And one, I have a job to guard the stairs and I can't really get away. I'm on crutches. So like, it was kind of like I was in the trap all the time. Like I had to make way too much small talk. And so you were supposed to be out for like the majority of the year, right? And then you made a full recovery and hit the ice in January when we came back. You know, it's funny. My, my doctor is like the biggest thing for you. Like you're going to want to come back early, like rest, rest, rest the first six weeks. And for me, like you saw, that was the, you know, old fashions and cigars. I did really rest the hip for the first six, six weeks. So it was pretty like well healed by the time I started rehab and like I had great physical therapists. Like I, it just, I just kept improving really, really quickly. At first I thought I was going to be out for the year. Cause you kind of get like check out when you think you're going to be out for the year. And then I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to play. Like, I, I think this might happen. <laughs> so I, I basically was cleared to play like Thanksgiving. We played like one or two games until second semester. So the deal was like, be ready second semester. I was cleared cause my hip was healthy, but I was not in hockey shape at all. So that was like the worst winter break ever. I would like go to like my high school turf over winter break and I'm like running sprints before going to a Christmas party. I'm like, I am so out of shape. I need to get it back. It was freezing cold and I'm in there in like a hoodie and sweatpants, like sprinting, trying to make sure I like I feel okay because I'm like, I'm going to a New Year's Eve party. Like I, I know I'm just going to undo everything I just did. <laughs> Little would you know that that would probably be the, the second most important doctor in your life. I want to give you the, the floor now to, uh, you know, talk about your hair. I mean, the improvements that you've made just since I've met you has been off the charts. For some reason, I was dealt the the high hairline card. I always had like great hair, like when I was a baby, when I was little, like, oh, the blonde hair, the locks, the flow. And then I was a junior in high school and I was playing high school baseball. And I remember the coaches were making fun of someone like on TV the night before, whatever, who was bald. And I was laughing and like our high school baseball coach was like, oh, don't laugh. Like you're next. And I was like, what? What are you, you talking? I never, never even knew that I was balding. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, dude, like you're, you're on the fast track. I realized that I was like, my hair was super thin. It, was, it wasn't good. And then when I got to Exeter, since it was so 
freaking hard. I was so in over my head. I was like the president in a year. I aged like, you know, 25 years. I lost my hair rapidly. And so I went to Dr. Robert Leonard in Boston, who does, you know, the Patriots, like, you know, Portnoy, whatever, and changed everything for me. Like I didn't get hair surgery. It was just like legit better practices, shampoo, conditioner. I use Bossly and I have the law. I have the flow now. Like it was, it was, it was Murph. I mean, you basically knew me before and after too, sort of like. Yeah. When I met you, it was like, oh, you think Tim's hairline is bad. You should have seen it months ago. And then like now <laughs> you would never even know. No, like all of a sudden I could talk to girls. It was, it changed everything really. <laughs> You kind of lit it up when you came back. I remember we played, I feel like we played Buffalo and you scored. We played Niagara and you scored. My grandfather, who like tries to make it to every game, he was like, who the heck is this like Polish kid who's like, like where has he been all year? And we were like bad first semester and you came back and, and gave us some sort of spark. And we, I think we went 500 the rest of the way and, and ended the season ranked. But then, you know, everyone knows COVID came and that kind of changed everything. And you and I were kind of left your junior year, my sophomore year to kind of pick up the pieces when we got back here. We had some tough calls. I remember the one that sticks out to me, and I'm sure you remember is you came over. We both, neither one of us were living here at the house in Syracuse, but that was our meeting place. And we had a meeting with club sports and we basically told them what we wanted to do. And they basically said, well, if you guys want to do all these things, like maybe you shouldn't play at such a competitive level. And Tim and I looked at each other and we were like, like that was probably the worst thing that this woman could have said to us. I think ever since then, Syracuse hockey has been kind of on the upswing. We've, we've done a whole lot, but we did so many crazy things. You ran practices where we had to get dressed at home and then walk to the rink in full gear. What are some of those takeaways that you remember from your junior year? Well, I'll say this, like you don't, Anyone who's a like club hockey vet that listens to this totally gets this. And anyone who's a incoming, you know, rookie, freshman, sophomore, like they will get this. You don't realize how quickly the shift goes from you being like a freshman, like follower trying to like get your ice time, whatever, to you, you running the show. Like the transition happens so fast. And like, maybe because I was hurt too, that like accelerated things. But like, I went from just, like I said, being a freshman scratch in and out of the lineup, coming back from injury to like, boom, I'm like calling the shots. And it's, it happens so fast and you do not realize it. I, w I would always say to the seniors when I was a freshman and stuff, I'd be like, I'm never going to have to deal with that. Like that, that sounds terrible. And then all of a sudden, like, and all of a sudden it was on my plate, like tenfold because of COVID. You know, I just remember, like you said, you know, we, we walked out of a lot of meetings being like, what are we doing? Why are they saying this? Like they have no idea what we go through. People come to Syracuse to play club hockey. And if you're a school that charges tuition, you should care about that just as much as you care about Greek life or whatever brings someone to the school. Like, so I was just so frustrated. Like you guys don't understand. We bring a lot of people to the school be because of our hockey program, you know? And ultimately coach Tracy steps down during that. That was a chaotic time. I remember when, when we found out that that was happening, we were, 
we were like, wow, not only did we feel like we were running the ship, but like now we need like a lifeboat for this thing. Like what the heck are we going to do now? We were playing men's league in Cicero. You and I kind of went to work on the coaching search. The rest is history. And I know we didn't get the results last year, but as a senior, I mean, you kind of got to see like the part one of the rebuild. What was that like for you? Because like I said, your freshman year, you guys were, you know, won the conference title, one spot away from going to nationals. And you kind of got to see the full swing of Syracuse hockey. What was that? transition like kind of going summer going into your senior year i mean you said it like we we had so much to do we basically you know because it's club hockey basically the captains do the whole hiring of the coach i mean you and me were holding job interviews for grown men because you know our coach steps down in the spring of COVID, I'm sitting there holding job interviews. I'm reading resumes. I wake up super early in the morning. I'd set my alarm and the first half would be like reading grown men's resumes for the Syracuse hockey coaching job and half of them for from guys in Canada, Syracuse hockey club. They were thinking it's like club day Canadian, you know, like, like they, they were thinking that we were like, you know, legit you know, played BU. We got like, you know, 70 resumes or something, sifting through resumes. Little these guys know, like after I sift through these guys' resumes and hold job interviews, I'm sending my resumes for like my summer internship. This is the craziest thing in the world. But part of it was like, I know what someone wants to look at because like I'm doing the same thing. It was so ridiculous. It's total like heavy lies the head that wears the crown type of thing, but it's a great learning experience. And I could not have done that without you. Be, the, like, yes, like I, I felt up to the task, but I needed some, like it, it just, we we worked so well together. You know, you were the guy that did all the, you know, hard, dirty work. You brought it to me and I used to be like, Murph, get that out of your head. That's not what we're doing. And then you would go back and do the work again. It was, that was such a great experience, I think for the both of us. And then- That's how I started drinking black coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I was putting like caramel and vanilla and sugar in my coffee, but we would get our coffee together before we would do our meetings. And finally, I just had to switch, go up and order two black iced coffees and then bring them over to your house. Yeah, no, you would be like, what do you want for a coffee? And I was like, Murph, this is my third. Like it's, you know, 8 a.m. Like, <laughs> so like, I mean, we we were doing the, the dirty work and, and thank God for, you know, Coach Timmons at, at Syracuse. Like the program's going in a total different direction in, in, in a good way. The thing about being a hockey player, this is at, at any level. Like this has nothing to do with just being a club hockey player. When you're told it's a rebuilding year and you know it's a rebuilding year, like you can say that as many times as you want. You're still a hockey player. You still go, you travel, you know, seven hours or so, whatever you get on the bus, you put your headphones in, you have pregame meal, everything in your brain is we are going to go try and win this hockey game tonight. Like, how do you go play a hockey game on a Friday night when all your buddies are partying and you're sitting there like, well, we're rebuilding. Like, what do you mail it in? Like, that's what's so hard and so challenging about being in a rebuilding year. And as many times as we can sit down and the coaches were great at it. I love our coaching staff. And we sit down, we say, hey, let's be realistic. You know, what, what are our expectations? This is a rebuilding year. It's like, but again, we're hockey players. Like you're when you're an athlete, you're, you know, athlete, you're still wired to to go give it your all. Like it's hard to just mail it. And so like, that is a really, really hard thing to do. That's why you like believe that NHL, NFL, whoever professional teams can't tank. Cause like, how do you get up on Sunday and be like, I'm mailing it in? Like, it's impossible. Good way of looking at it, especially like in college. It's not a pro team where you're like, oh, you know, we rebuild now and you know, we'll have a shot at winning in five years. Like, 
you get four years, five, six because of COVID, but pretty much you get four years and that's that's about it. I do have on here, you mentioned that a lot of the guys you grew up playing with went on to play college hockey as well. Kind of full circle, you went from like freshman year not getting any apparel or anything and then you were skating in the off season and everyone's jealous of the gloves you're wearing. You got the orange tape going. Like, How cool was that to see kind of like how far Syracuse hockey has come in your time here? Oh, oh, 100%. Like, it, you know, like we we had the like we had no apparel my freshman year. But my it was like, you know, junior going to senior year, my my two good friends um played at Providence, one's playing at UMass now, like, you know, and I go I go skate with their buddies and it's like, you know, all these, you know, hockey east kids whatever like and I'm just lucky to get invited. Guys get ice time at these rinks. Kids are like coming in for like youth hockey practice like after us and they're like they're like all pointing at us through the glass and the like the dad's like, "No, no, that kid plays at Syracuse." Like, "Look, look at him." Like, he plays and like I'm listening there I'm like, "Dude, we have like Hobie Baker finalists." Like, you <laughs> And because just because I had the gloves, the apparel, practice jersey, everything, and they're like, "Oh no, no, no!" Like Syracuse, like let's talk to him after practice. I'm like, "You guys have no idea." And all, all my buddies are eating it up. They're loving it. Like the joke of them is, "We're both Division One." You know, just don't ask any questions after that. We're both Division One. I. I can't even believe we skimmed over it. You were on the conference winning team that was down, what is it, seven to one to NYU, came back and won that, beat Stony Brook, and then knocked off Liberty in the finals. We touched on it a couple minutes ago, but what do you remember from that weekend? Oh, I mean, talk about, okay, I said it's hard to mail it in, right? We thought we were mailing it in. We thought we were the worst team going. Like, we weren't on a good stretch. Like, we had a great camaraderie around that team second half of the year. And it was more like, this is going to be a great party weekend. We'll be eliminated by Thursday. Like, we'll go out Friday. Like, it'll be perfect. Like, this is over. This is done. We're planning spring break trips. This is whatever. And then, again, like, you're a hockey player. You get on the bus. You get locked in. Like, you're going to play. And like we are immediately getting getting killed, you know. It's seven one, you know. I, I remember it was like it was five one after one or whatever, and we get in the locker and we just we like literally were talking about spring break plans. It was like there was no, I believe, like don't fool yourself. And just you come out in the second period. Hockey is a funny sport. A couple things go your way, like you get a shorthanded goal. My mom was watching at work, I guess, with like people looking over her shoulder, and then you know, like you know, like the club hockey thing, you always have chip on your shoulder. People are looking over her shoulder. They're like Tim's team kind of kind of sucks. Like they're down seven one. I guess she t- she turned it off all of a sudden. And the worst was at the end of the first period, we get a power play. And Ford, you've you've had on right. Obviously, he gives me like a wide open backdoor that I just don't miss, and I just heal it. I could have stopped it and, and you know licked it in with my tongue. Like it was the most wide open end ever. And I like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Something about being loose enough that we thought the season was over. A couple things go your way and hockey is just that kind of sport, right? The feeling of just being on a roll is just insane. And it can happen without you believing at all. Like you can just go on a roll. So you guys win, you come all the way back to beat NYU in overtime. You beat Stony Brook the next night. You're playing Liberty for the, the title game. They already pretty much have a spot in Nationals. This is just for bragging rights. You guys always talked about like the facility matchup. Like You put Liberty's facilities up against the facilities Syracuse had at the time, and it's not even close. You guys took them to overtime. Like, what, a double overtime? Yeah, is it another double overtime game? Like we, you have rivalries in club hockey. You go at it like a lot of it's you know respect. Like we respect that they're likely better than us. Like they have all the facilities. They like we're eating the freaking 
continental breakfast with guys that are waking up late that miss miss the breakfast, you know, like, and Liberty's got their whole staff there, their whole this. And like the feeling of just being on a roll, we got nothing to lose. Let's just go play the game. Like whatever happens, happens. And somehow, some way we find a way to just get under their skin that year, the entire year. And we're able to scrap out a win. But like, you know, you're right. Like the facility, it doesn't even match up. It's not even close. Like, you know, it goes without saying. You don't need to follow club hockey to know. Like we don't even come close to facilities there. But that's why hockey's great on any given night. Someone can just kind of have it. Some things can just go your way in a hockey game that changes at all. And so looking back on it now, I know you you were pretty adamant once once your Syracuse hockey career was over, you were going to tie your skates together and throw them in the lake and just never, never suit up again. Looking back on it, what are some of your favorite memories if you had to pinpoint a couple? Winning that championship for sure. Like that was, that was one of the most fun experiences I've had. Winning cures all, right? Like it, it was, it was a blast. It was, team just comes down to how you guys get along, camaraderie. We all said after that, see, after that season right we got closer as a team during the second semester I kind of said like I don't want that to happen again let's come together first semester and I think a lot of good things came out of that season beyond just winning right after the following season we took a trip to Colorado we played Boulder and then Colorado State that was one of the most fun experiences I've had like just doing a a road trip with the team like it's those back are to all the homeland. The, back to the homeland, right? I was so I was born in Colorado, right? I basically moved after two and a half years, but so that night we go play Boulder, taken out of the starting lineup, so the guy on our team who is legitimately lives in Colorado can get the you know starting nod of you know being in his hometown. I'm like, coach, you could have picked anybody else. I'm the only other person actually born in Colorado on this team, so he wasn't having any of that. But I'm like, you could have picked anyone else. Trips like that, like that, that's just. Again, and that's what makes me so frustrated when the school like couldn't care less about us. It's like, you got guys coming here that are traveling the country, representing your school, your brand. If we don't clean up the hotel lobby, they're not like, oh, that's Syracuse's club. They're like, that's Syracuse. We are representing the school, you know? And like, so that's what makes me frustrated. Yeah, I, of course, typical me, I can't talk about something good without being pissed off, but <laughs> those are the memories for sure. Like, and also the memories with you, Murph, that, that summer, like, rebuilding that team felt like like as difficult as it was we went on a media tour oh i I, (laughs) the school said we couldn't use the logo and you and i we you we put my advertising skills your pr skills and we went on a media tour no i i always say like only boring people get bored i hate saying that i was bored but that was a time when it was like we had nothing anything else to do really it was like schoolwork whatever and it was like, oh, they're doing this. I was like, oh, let's go on a media tour. Like I could use a good media tour. Like we had done COVID. We like, it's like, I could use a good, you know, media tour. And, and I loved every minute of that too. Bizarre that we lived in a world where, you know, the school didn't want us to, you were kind of the epitome of it. The school did not want us to succeed. They saw you were a hockey player and from the jump, they were like, let's not let this guy in. Looking Back on it now, though, I think it was pretty cool. You were able to score on senior night in your final game in an SU jersey. Uh, what did that mean to you? That was a sad day. You know, it's we obviously didn't have the greatest year in the world. So part of you was like, I'm ready for the trip to Cabo, whatever, you know, like, but you also have all your family there. And it meant more like for me to put on a good show for my family. You know, they supported me throughout my entire career and everything. So it meant more, it meant more to just show my family that, you know, I was going to play hard till till the last whistle of my career and to score senior night was great. And, and my family, we were actually 
when I was telling them I was going to be on the podcast that we were joking, they're like, oh, you know, you haven't played since senior night or ever. I'm like, I don't know if you guys remember, like I had like four hits in that game. Like for some reason I was just like physical and my family just like burst out laughing. They're like, I, I can't believe you used that word with, with you in the same sentence. So I'm like, there was something about me. I was just like, this is it. Like, I don't have to be sore or anything ever again. So like might as well. I think, yeah, I think I had like, when I say hits, I just mean like finished a four check. So touching on the family, I think you have one of the more unique upbringings. I think it says a lot about your personality. We didn't touch on it when you were talking about going to high school in Marblehead, but your grandfather used to take you to and from school every day, right? And what was the, like, the procedure when he picked you up from school that kind of trained you to you know, wor- always work hard, be determined, and do everything with a purpose? My grandfather, so it's funny. So I'm from Marblehead, which is you know in Massachusetts, North Shore. Massachusetts, it's arch, arch rival is Swampscott. My grandfather is a Swampscott legend. You know, So my rival town, he was the athletic director there, football coach coach, baseball coach, basketball coach. He won like a million state championships. Like the basketball court is named after him in our rival town. He is a legend. And so that's my mom's dad. And my mom played tennis at Clemson. I come from a huge sports family and he picked me up from school every single day. I walked down the street and picked me up from school, immediately go to his house, literally until I was 18 years old, go to his house and we'd pull in the driveway, whatever it was, it'd either be, you're shooting a hundred free throws before we go inside. I'm like, Grampy, I don't even play basketball basketball. Like I play hockey. He's like, I don't care. It's good for you. Like you need to learn how to do this. It's mental. He's either shoot a hundred free throws or get like a hundred ground balls. He'd like live right near a baseball field. He would fire ground balls like into my teeth. I was like nine years old fielding like short hops and stuff. So that like mentality, that was before we even started homework. And he was also a really smart guy. So homework, you know, you're not you're not watching TV till we finish homework. And he would sit with me at the kitchen table my entire life and he'd check my work. Like I'd be like, I'm done. And he'd be like, come back here. Let me check your work. Like for the, like my entire life was just what I knew. Like it was, everything was with a purpose. Like sometimes I pull in the driveway at my house and I'm like, do I need to take a hundred free throws before I go inside? Like that's like, I think that would just, it's pretty ridiculous, you know, looking back, I, I I loved it. I think a lot of these kids could use 100 free throws. Definitely. Most certainly. I think I think everyone would be better off going home and getting 100 ground balls right in the teeth. To kind of wrap it up, I think there's really one point that I've probably reiterated at least four or five times since we've been back on campus now. But you gave a speech after your final game that I think kind of epitomizes what we do here at the Hockey House. Paraphrase what you said. Nobody loves hockey more than the guys who play club hockey. And I want to give you the chance to kind of elaborate on that thought. Look, I fully believe that. Nobody enjoys playing the game of hockey. No one loves the game more than people who play club hockey. And I didn't come up with that. I didn't know how much I I loved hockey. That was not my thing. It was my buddies who play, not to be that guy, my buddy plays Division One, but my friends who I look up to who play Division One hockey in Hockey East. You know, I'd be ashamed when I'm on the ice with them in the summer, like I said. And they're like, dude, no one loves hockey more than you. No one loves hockey more than the than the guys who play club hockey. And it just it just stuck with me because you're the guy, like you're the ones who the school doesn't give you anything. Like, like you're hiring your own coaches, you're paying for your own gear, you're fighting for your own practice times to be like, you know, 6am or whatever, Friday night or whatever. Like you're fighting for those practice times amongst your school, amongst the rec department, club department, whatever it may be. Nobody loves hockey 
more than you guys. The game is not giving you anything back at that point in your career. The game is not, you're not getting anything from the game other than just the joy of playing. That was when I was really in like a dark time of being scratched and out of the lineup. And I think that that's kind of a message. Like if you're willing to sacrifice, go to a big school, miss Saturday night football games, basketball games, whatever it may be. My friends who play in hockey East or whatever, they miss the Friday night football game, but then they're getting honored at the Saturday night basketball game at halftime. So it's easy for them to miss that game. We aren't. We're paying to get in and we're trying to sneak beers in. Like, you know, no one loves the game like we do. And I fully believe that. And and you don't, you might not realize that till later on in your, in your club hockey career, but uh, I think it's, it's something to keep in mind if you're, if you're playing club hockey. Yeah. I, I remember being like, oh, we got to put that on a hockey house shirt or Selly hockey coach shirt. Cause that'll fly right <laughs> off the shelves. Cause I think everybody knows it too. Tim, th- we could, we probably have to do a part two at some point just to dive into all the stories, but I think we hit it, the highlights we want to hit tonight. We always say like, if you got any thank yous, I know you mentioned your family and everyone already, but any thank you shout outs you wanted to give to the guys before we, we head out? Definitely the family. You know, they, I might as well played at BU for them. You know, I, I love the fam. Like, they, you know, they're the best. I, thank you to Murph, to you. I can't imagine what my experience would have been like had I not had you. You were, I told you at senior on the banquet, you were everything that I am not. So I could not appreciate what you have more of what you have done for Syracuse, what you've done for club hockey. I admire every single thing you've done. Like I, I, I'm pumped. I, I got invited to be on the show. Um, Herm, like these are the people that make it work. Your parents, I, you know, your parents are going to support you no matter what, for the most part, I hope. Seriously, it's, it's the people that like make club hockey go and our coaches at Syracuse right now, Coach Timmons, Coach Al. I always say, if you like what I like, it's hard for me to have a problem with you. I like club hockey. People who like club hockey, I'm pretty much always going to get along with you. So it's thank you to those people. I have a ton of appreciation for them.